It is a privilege to be able to speak tonight. Glad that Pastor's on his way home and uh, understanding that he is being tested tonight uh, or has been properly with traffic in uh, open Florida. So it's a, uh, we'll see how he handles that trial and uh, how the, said that he's praying for us tonight and said that he's getting on his way home. So we need to continue to pray for him there. Um, tonight, I wanted to talk about, wow, well, I am hot too, so don't, uh, don't want to kick me down a little bit there. I'm hearing myself there. Um, but as we think about tonight, Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to talk about doing great things for God. Don't you want to do great things for God? And um, we're going to go into that a little bit tonight. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11 is a, about a lot of great things people did. And there are so many. Uh, the Lord has blessed each one that we would cover in this chapter. Of course, we're going to talk about one in particular. We're not going to spend our time here. And we're going to go back over into Genesis for a little bit. Um, in fact, you, you probably heard the statement from William Carey, you know, expect uh, great things from God, attempt great things for God. We know that uh, that is the desire of, of people who serve in, in ministry particularly uh, to do big things and want to do great things for God. Um, that is the desire. And um, as we get into it in verse 8, we'll pick up reading there and read down through. Um, as we look in verse uh, verse 8, it says, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, with heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed, and was delivered of a child when she was past age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one, and him as good as dead. So as many as the stars of the skies in multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that, uh, for they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country, that is, an heavenly Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. He that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, that, And Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. You know, as we think about Abraham, and we think about the great things he did, nobody wants to lift up one of the great things he did, is that he almost killed his child. Boy, wouldn't that be a great thing? Let's go kill our children, right? Boy, that, that you know, in fact, there you go. This will be a recurring thing tonight. I put this in a towel case security team. I can't get it past them. <laughs> Got it past you, Nathan. Um, 
So, you know, as we think about, while I'm in here, um, as we think about, uh, boy, this right here, if I, if I, if I go out here into the crowd, I don't have to step far where y'all start feeling a little uncomfortable. And it won't be because of my preaching. Right? It's going to feel a little, little strange. Look how he's holding that knife. In fact, probably for Abraham, it was probably more like this, wasn't it? You know, this knife represents, it represents pain. And it's hard. You know, I think my thoughts of um, great things has more to do with happiness and joy. Things I like to do. Things I want to do. By the way, today as I was being reflective on this, my ADD kicked in. And I began to look around and I thought, you know what? I could put a deck right there. I could put a deck right there. And I started thinking about, you ever done that in your backyard? Next thing you know, you've done designed out everything in your mind. And you said, boy, that would be great. That's a great thing. You know, I could build. In fact, I, I, by the time I was done, I had the deck built all the way around the house. And uh, so, you know, it's just the way I think about it. You know, in fact, I need to go inside here once in a while to get away from that. And, you know, I think about how pain, pain is not something we think of as a great thing. I think that it's hard to face our pain. It is hard to understand what it means to do a great thing. I think we've repurposed great things and we've repackaged it, maybe is the better way to say it. And we think about great things in, in a whole different way because religion today paints great things as large programs, large buildings, you know, altar calls and everything else. And we can get miss we, we can miss the point of what great things are. You know, we'll find in Hebrews chapter eleven that there's a lot of different characters there. A couple of them had attempted great things for God and and represented a lot of pain in their life. Um, I can think of Moses. I think he's a very prominent figure in the Hebrews chapter eleven. You know, Moses, he killed an Egyptian. He was a murderer. He was a wanted man. And he spent his time shepherding sheep that weren't even his and taking care of them and going through that. And he had to face the pain one day of doing what? Going back. He had to face the pain that the way he thought things should be done Can you imagine what he conjured up when he decided to kill the Egyptian? He didn't need a knife, by the way. That's the way I don't need a knife. I'm actually way more dangerous without it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm actually a very nice guy most of the time. But when I got this knife in my hand, it's very threatening, isn't it? You know, I think about Moses. He killed that Egyptian. And he very easily could have thought, this is the beginning of how this is done. I will use my position, I will use my power, and I will use my influence, and we'll do great things for God. I believe that was in his heart. I believe that was in his soul. I think when David looked at a cart one day and he said, that'll do. That'll do. Go get the ark. 
put it on there. And when Uzzah died, there was great pain. The Bible says that he was displeased, he was angry, he was upset. The Bible says he feared God and he put it away. He was disillusioned with what great really means. That's the problem for a lot of believers nowadays. When we redefine what God wants to do in a great way, and we minimize the pain. You see, if you listen to the televangelists and to those preachers that get on the TV, they will tell you to name it and claim it. They will tell you if you just had enough belief, if you stop thinking negatively, I'm already talking like Joel Osteen, just, just, just doing that. But he's not the only one. The sound waves are full of people who desire to have faith. There's so many places in God's Word that talk about faith. But it comes with a price. And faith to do great things. I want to go into that tonight a little bit. And I want to talk about uh, Abraham. Or Abram is where we're going to start. And I will use them interchangeably. You can correct me after the service. So I'm going to put this down because y'all look nervous. I'll probably cut myself. Let's go over to Genesis chapter 17. We pick up here. I could have really in the context of how I go through Genesis with you guys, I could have picked up a couple chapters back, but I think they're more supporting to what we're doing here. And I'll use those in just a moment. But as we come to chapter 17... We see here that Abram, it says, And when Abram was ninety years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. You know, you think about the fact that Abram, if you think about his life, he's been called out of this, this country where he lived been about 30 years ago. Here he is. He's been wondering. He, he's made some mistakes in his life. Um, he's one time, you know, you think about it, the fact that he's not trusted the Lord to this point and went down to Egypt and uh, things didn't go too well with that. In fact, he was corrected by even a pagan king, someone who would not have had the same appreciation uh, for the things of God. And um, you know, you think about it in chapter 15. Uh, in fact, go ahead and flip back over there. In verse 1, it says, After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. That statement came as a response to Abram's statement. Now, by this point, he has met the you know here at Melchizedek, and he's gone through all of that. But more importantly, he had talked to the uh, the king of Sodom here, and look back up in verse twenty one. And the king of Sodom said unto Abram, "Give me the persons 
and take the goods to thyself. Abram had rallied 300 and some of his men to deliver, as much like a Gideon affair, where he goes out and he battles with these nations that have come against uh, Sodom and some Confederate nations there. He intervened because Lot was there and he knew that he needed to respond and he moved in and he did that. And he overwhelmingly won the victory by the Lord granting him safety and taking care of him. And, you know, I think about the fact that the king of Sodom comes to him in an all-genuine, I believe, desire to bless Abram, and Abram rejects it. And no doubt, Abram had suffered greatly to do this, right? He had to stop what he was doing. He had to go out there and suffer the pains of war. As he did that, he knew what he did. He did because of who he was in the Lord. And he knew that God provided for him and he need not take anything here. It says there in verse 22, And Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lift up mine hand unto the Lord, the Most High God, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take uh, from a thread even to a shoe latchet, and that I will not take anything that is thine, lest thou shouldest say, I have made Abram rich." save only that which the young men have eaten and the portion of the men that which went with me. Aner, Eshkel, and Mamre, let them take their portion. And then God says in verse 1, He moves towards Abram. Y'all remember now, they, He does not have the Word of God. The Word of God comes to people like this at times. And, and by the way, as much as you would love to have those personal interactions with God, in the sense of... Obviously, in His holiness, we all would shudder and fear. But the blessing of having communion with God was different. But you know what Abram would say about us? Well, you have God's Word, and you actually have something to commune with on a daily way to be able to have that communication there. You know, And, and so it can be valued both ways. We, have, we are so blessed to have God's Word in our hand. But you know, when Abram received the Word of the Lord, he told him, he said, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. God did not come to him first. Abram reached out in faith in who God was and his person and trusted him to provide. And then God says what? That's right. I'm your reward. You know, sometimes, it's God that night again. Sometimes, you know, we think about the, the whole pain thing, and we think about what causes us pain and loss, we find sources that are way outside of what God intended. God intended that our source of strength comes from Him. Our source of reward comes from Him. And the things that threaten, they mean nothing. Because He is our shield. He is our reward. In fact, when we look here, go ahead and back over to chapter 17 where we were. In verse 1, 
And by the way, we're going to talk about the character of God, the covenant of promise, and we're going to talk about the circumcision at the very end. So that those are the three areas we're covering. And right now we're talking related to the character of God. You know, if God, based on this, has been silent for this amount of time that he that we don't see in the scriptures. Now he could have talked to Abram. He could have done that. We don't know. All we know is that there's been about 13 years having transpired here and we hear nothing. So you fill in the blanks as you'd like, but we're going to assume this is when God comes to him again. By the way, it's in the last chapter here as we look, think about it, that, uh, that they had tried to accomplish God's will. By the way, they, they were going through pain. They were going through pain. They wanted to have a child. And um, we know from that last chapter, that pain, that loss, that threatening was so hard and, and so so strong that uh, Sarai had turned to her own ways. And no doubt, it could be that God's silence here is a result of them trying to do God's will their way. Providing themselves as a source and providing themselves as the reward in, in, in bringing a child into this through their Egyptian handmaid, Hagar. Hagar was baggage from a bad decision before. And it's sad, but after it's done and said, the realization that this isn't it, uh, I'm sure has set in. In chapter 17... What's interesting to me is that there is not any dialogue that we see, that we read about in here. The lessons are obvious. Folks, when we try to avoid pain and lose sight of the character of God and who He is as the source for our pain and to fill the gap that we have, you know what we do? We create more pain. And it just gets worse. The more we keep playing with something that belongs to God, it gets worse. And that's what's going on here. And so they have, you know, suffered through this. And God does not pile on, at least through the Scripture. I believe that when he says unto him and he appears to him, he says, I am El Shaddai. I am the Almighty God. I could hear that thunder right now through the eardrums of Abram. I think Abram now is thinking, yes, you are. Yes, you are. And he hears it. He feels it. I am the Almighty God. He says, walk before me and be thou perfect. You know, I think about that he was required earlier to assert his faith before God responded. And I think tonight, if we're not careful, we'll sit here and think about the pain that we're suffering. And the question we'll have is, where is God? Where is he? I'm waiting. Where is he going to show up? 
And little do we know is that pain comes first. He's over Isaac. Then what happens? The angel calls out. Why didn't he just say that beforehand? Why did we get to this point? It's important to realize that you must assert your faith and do not do it like the charlatans that preach today a prosperity and health and wealth gospel. Understand that your faith is not in your faith. Your faith is in what He says right here. I am the Almighty God. El Shaddai. And you say, yeah, but He didn't say it until all this has transpired. That's what makes it faith. Is that we begin to trust God in what we do because of who He is and then we know Him better because He has revealed Himself through the pain. God is not limited by your limitations. He is not limited by the things that constrain you or I. I look back in the previous chapter and I see Abram and Sarai thinking of God in terms of human flesh relating to their age and their time of life as not being one that could be hopeful. They're, I mean, as good as dead is what the Bible says. We read that. As good as dead. That was the way man has to think about it. But that's why I say that God is not limited by our limitations. When I'm forced into a painful experience, when I'm put in a place where I don't want to be, I trust His character and who He is to be faithful as the Almighty. You know, I think so many people today are being preached a gospel that you can avoid the facts of life and you can live above it. But the truth is, trying to ignore the pain and trying to be positive-minded and trying to be inspired makes a great YouTube video, but doesn't make a good Christian. It is understood that he faced the fact, and the fact is, he is old. He tells him in verse 2, and I will make my covenant between me and thee, and will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face, and and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with me, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. You know, I think about this. Go go over to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. 
and verse 19. It says, And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead, when he's about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. You know, Abram was just a man, and he made mistakes related to this, but the Bible counts him faithful, and there will be our judgment, him as faithful, but flawed. And if you ever consider the great figures of the Bible, understand they did great things because they were normal people. That's really all it was. It wasn't because they were great people, it's because we have a great God. And therein lies the commonality between you and Abram. But he trusted God. And you say, no, he didn't. He had times when he failed. He failed. He did. By the way, you'll find that in the life of all of them. But the truth is, when they reflect on the character of God, you will always see them come back and their faith strengthened to do more. Abram, you know, you think about this. When he faced the fact of being as one dead. He understood it. Listen, you're sitting here tonight, I can convince you all day long, you just need to ignore your problems and live above them. <laughs> that, listen, the pain, the pain that comes in our life, we've got to be honest about them. And we've got to start identifying them for what they are. Listen, for the believer who has a loving, caring, gracious Heavenly Father who means no harm to you and wants the best for you, when you see that pain, you recognize you're on the precipice of something much better. But you're going to have to go through the pain to do it. You're going to have to deal with the pain. You're going to have to go up on the mountain. And you're going to have to be from Hebrews 11 with the knife about right here. And I don't know where you are tonight. I don't know what your pain is. You may be at this point right here where you say, I've got things I don't want to do. By the way, there are a lot of things I don't want to do. How many of you got things in here you don't want to do? Okay, here we go. A few of you. Um, the rest of you like, yeah, because, well, every day is no problem. You know, you have to face the fact in that. Your faith is in God. My family, I tell them all the time when we get into situations, I'll say, it is what it is. I can't change what it is. I know this. Who I am through it and in it, that is the part that I want to make sure that I learn. And if anything needs to change there, we can do that. But the situations and what they are. Listen, the situation is they don't have a child. And God in this place confirms this covenant of promise to increase His seed. What is His response? When we look back, if you go back over to Genesis chapter 17 there, 
when we look at his response here, it says, Abram fell on his face. He is face down. And God tells him, he says, there's two, two parts to this. Of course, he's going to tell him, he says, Thou shalt be a father of many nations, and neither shall thy name any more be called Abram. But thy name shall be called, shall be Abraham, for a father of many nations have I made unto thee. And I will make thee exceeding fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed after, after thee and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed. Uh, to thy seed after thee. And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And God said unto Hiram, Thou shalt keep my covenant, therefore thou and thy seed after thee in their generations. This is my covenant which ye shall keep between me and you and thy seed after thee. We'll stop there. You know, as we come to this, the father of many nations, he's renamed there. I think about the fact that, you know, the idea of being fruitful. Nations. I think about the fact that he's, in verse 6 there, kings shall come out of thee. We see there this idea of everlasting there. And... um you know, what a blessing it is that God is going to rename him. And by the way, Revelation even talks about giving us a new name one day, right? And um, I think about that new name. I think about the, the names that God did. When God gives a name, he has a reason for it and a purpose. And it's, it's usually showing a translation or transition from one place to another. I think about the fact he changed Abram's name here. Who else's name did he change? Well, he changed Jacob's, didn't he? He was an interesting character. You see, God sees him entirely different. I think about Peter. Simon to Peter. So many men throughout time in the the Scriptures that God has done that with, and God gives that name and blesses them with that. It's how He sees them. You know, God sees us as a, it, it, when, when we're going through the pain. He says, I am the Almighty. He tells them to walk before Him. That's what He's telling Abram here. He says, be thou perfect. Mature in that. Be change. That's the real question. Are we changing? You know, Are we becoming to the point where I need to rename you? You know? And by the way, that name reflects the future. It's a future tense talking about what, how many nations and, and, and the many nations. And, you know, what a blessing it is. I think about, you know, how much he's been in pain probably over his own name. What did Abram mean? Exalted father. I walked around, people said, that was a pain. A continuous pain that he had to deal with. By the way, back to El Shaddai a little bit, and before we move on in this, the other place where El Shaddai shows up the most, guess what book it shows up in the most after this point? The 
book of Job. Job reflects often on the Almighty. Because God is the source to take care of this pain. And by the way, we know that Job was restored you know, so much. Uh, by the way, there's another place where it shows up. Um, Ruth. Naomi's talking about coming in and, and she, she went out full and came in empty and she said the Almighty. She talked about the Almighty. She talks about El Shaddai there. A little bit different context. There's sarcasm. <laughs> but listen, God is the Almighty and He provides. And, and He's promised a seed here. And He's promised in this covenant to do this this covenant would mean that Abraham, Abram would become Abraham and he would be before all people a promise of the, what's to come. Could you live most of your life not realizing what it was that great thing God was going to do? That promise? You know, in back to 12.1, you got to go all the way back there when it was first discussed with him. I think about the patience it takes as a believer to trust God who He is. And in the context of time, are the things here that we see around us, are they what's important? No. In fact, that's what we spent this past Sunday talking about in Sunday school. You know? I, I think about the eternal. What's the value on the eternal? you know it's funny or odd you understand when I say funny I usually mean odd um, I'll, I'll hear something tragic and I'll go that's funny and I'm like no sorry that's odd that's odd that's what I mean by that so I have to defy error. Um, you know when we think about Abram talking to God I can only imagine he's listening to this it sounds great tells you this? I think if I'm Abraham, my name's Abraham now. Thanks. I'm so blessed. I'm going home. I'm going to hug my wife. We're going to have a baby. Isn't that great? Church, is that how this story ends? As he turned around to leave, in verse 10, I just made that up. By the way, Abraham, every man-child among you shall be, say it with me, church, circumcised. Verse 11. You shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a token of the covenant between me and you. 
and he that is eight days old shall be circumcised among you, every man-child in your generations. He that is born in a house or bought with money of any stranger, which is not of thy seed, he that is born, born in thine house and he that is bought with thy money, must needs be, what church? Circumcised. And my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. And the uncircumcised man-child whose flesh of his foreskin is not circumcised, that soul shall be cut off from his people. He hath broken my covenant. What? It's a sign. It's a badge. It tells exactly who's with God in that sense. You know, this would be a defining factor to tell who the pagans are and you know, God's people, or who, who were known for those practices. Kind of a physical separation of what people do. It's a physical separation in the sense that it's surgery. It's pretty intense. It's painful. It's a dilemma. By the way, the early church tried to institute it. A lot of people went for it, and I'm glad that got figured out before, you know, down the road got too late, you know, and that'd been bad for people. They figured, hey, by the way, it was a high cost for people, Gentiles, getting saved. But, you know, it has a larger meaning. Um, go over to Matthew chapter 16. Verse 24. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him what, church? Deny himself. Deny himself. And take up his what, church? Cross and follow me. We're back. We're back to the cross. We're back to the pain. Not many want to carry that cross. Not many want to go through that pain. It's painful. Take up your cross. That's what Jesus said. What is he saying? When he says deny himself. What does that mean? It means to deny the flesh. Deny what it wants to do. I can tell you this. My flesh, when I deny something, it does it. It's uh, painful. But if I'm going to be anything for God, I have to follow. There's Jesus' instructions right there. Accept pain in your life. Accept it. Oh, you know, we're not going to roll out the red carpet for it, but we know this. I know this. That pain is there for a reason. And I can bear it up. And I can assuredly trust God in it. I'm going to deny my flesh what it wants to do 
in lieu of what God wants to do in my life. That's really the emphasis. Unless you think that was a New Testament principle, please turn to Deuteronomy chapter 10. Verse 16. Now we're all about the law and it's all legalese in here, right? Verse 16. Circumcise therefore the foreskin of your what, church? Heart. And be no more stiff-necked. When I don't want the pain, so I do it my way, the Bible says I become stiff-necked. I'm, no, I'm not facing it. I'm not dealing with it. I'm going to handle it my way. You say this circumcision of the heart thing, you know, when we talk about it physically, you know, that's one thing. And, and it, by the way, you know, in our country, that, that happens every day. Makes everybody say no. It does. It doesn't make everybody say. It doesn't make everybody part of the covenant. It only reflects here as we think about what's going on here. There, there's an outward conformity in the physical part, but the Bible's emphasis has always been from the beginning that it was a circumcision of the heart. Turn over to Deuteronomy 30 and verse six. And the Lord thy God will circumcise the what, church? Heart. And the heart of thy seed to love the Lord thy God with all thine what? Heart. With all thy what? Soul. That thou mayest what? Live. Let's go back to the beginning. This, in their time, was done by person circumcising on the eighth day a child. But this is done by who from verse 6? By God. If you think you can reform and you think that you can make it your way and, and you're part of the equation, you're just as bad as where we were in the earlier chapter. The earlier chapter has Hagar bearing a child to Abram, and that didn't work out. God can... He, verse 6 says it's God, and He's the only one who can do that. True circumcision. You can't perform that. You must surrender to giving God the knife. What did Jesus say about those who have a problem with their eye? He told them, plug it out, right? Did He really mean that? You know, when we think about that, what he's talking about there is you've you got to deal with these things. You have to separate from this world. You've got to not be trapped by its fleshly lust. Go to Romans chapter 2. In verse 28. Paul recognized it. 
For he is not a Jew which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew which is one, what? Inwardly. And circumcision that is of the what? The heart, in the spirit, and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. Go over to Colossians chapter 2. Verse 9. For in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in Him, which is the head of all principality and power. And He is. He is the Almighty, remember. In whom also ye are circumcised with circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, Buried with Him in what, church? So we have another picture of death, don't we? We have another picture of put away the flesh. We have another picture of don't do it your way. Everything you are from the time of salvation is what God does in and through you. And that's what's going on here. Buried with Him in baptism, wherein you also arisen with Him through faith of the operation of who? Yourself? No. God, who hath raised Him from the dead whose limitations are not our limitations, and who can perform that necessary act of resurrection. I think about the fact that this picture of dying and this picture of circumcision, it represents pain and pain that must be given over to the Lord. We're going to move on here. Turn over to Galatians chapter 6. Verse 12. As many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be what? Circumcised. Only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised that they may glory in your flesh. But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. And that is where this is pointed to. You see, it's all about who He is, and we wonderfully accept the covenant, and we love to have this part where we can see the blessings of God like Abraham has. By the way, that a lot of the people who are promoting the health and wealth stuff and all the name and claim it stuff, they use this Abrahamic covenant in an entirely warped, perverted way. But they miss the whole point that it comes with pain. It comes with pain. You are a new creature. That's the fruit of it. Amen. Praise the Lord that we don't have to be trapped in the old. It's the reason why we're given a new name like Revelation 2.17 says. You know, I think about the fact that what you were before Christ to what you are now, have you minimized what a great thing is? Have you redefined what a great thing is? Remember, this is a great thing. Because a man 
trusted God. You're waiting to do great things sometimes when God says, the great thing's already underway. You are a new creature. Every day you get up. I bet your flesh today wanted to do something that it that you that you said no to. You, and I hope you did. I hope you told your flesh at least once today, no. That's a great thing. You know what you faced? Pain. And you dealt with it. I wanted to call up the pizza shop and have a big pizza. Just a gigantic one. Whatever it is, I'm joking. I didn't really have like a pizza craving. Okay. Okay, Chris. Okay. But you understand what I mean. If you're saved, God's done a great thing. And God's continuing to do great things. You know, Abram, of course, through all of this, if we go back to Genesis 17. He tells him there in verse 15, And God said unto Abraham, For Sarai thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall her name be. We're going to rename her. And I will bless her and give thee a son also of who? Her. That's right. You see, there was a little confusion in that last chapter. Well, we know it's supposed to come from your loins, Abram. So I'll give you Hagar. <laughs> Here's the clarification, Sarah. No, it's you. It's you. Yea, I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nation. Kings of people shall be of her. Then Abram fell upon his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old, and Sarah that is ninety years old bear? And Abraham said unto God, O oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. And it's interesting here. Um, he laughs out loud. Uh, and, and it's not so much in the disbelief as much as it is the realization of what God wants to do. If you want to laugh, you laugh. Because I laugh every day. I think, why God wants to use me, I don't know. But I know He does. And because He does, I'm not going to resist what He wants from my life. And when I do, the Spirit of God says, hey, that's not the plan. That's not the way. You know, His Word in our life, He injects His Word into our life, the Spirit of God in our life, and it alters our perspective of our life, in our life. And I think about when you hear it from God, it, it surpasses man's encouragement. You know from the Word of God, you can find it there, what He wants for your life, for my life, and the Spirit of God. Ishmael, what's he coming up for right now? You know, that's some of the baggage for some bad decisions. Oh, that he would live before thee. No, no. Let's stop right there. We're gonna have to, we're, we're gonna have to deal with that. And he says, um, as we go back there, he says there, verse eighteen. God said, Sarah, thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed. And thou shalt call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. And Ishmael can just run away. I'm done with Ishmael. No, no, God didn't do that. As for Ishmael, I have heard thee. You see, 
even in the pain of our bad choices, you can find the grace and mercy of God. This has gotten complex now. And weird. But you know, God's so good and gracious, He says, okay. As for Ishmael, I've heard thee. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him what? Fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall he beget and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant will I establish with Isaac which Sarah shall bear unto thee at this set time in the next year. You know, when you think about it, you say, I wish that wouldn't have happened because I know where this goes. Then you would be trapped in the same thinking that Abraham was when he said, oh, that Ishmael would, be, would live before thee. You see, the perspective is eternal. That's why the covenant stayed with Isaac. It's all about the value of what is eternal in this choice. It's all about the Messiah. It's all about what God's going to do for eternity. A kingdom, all the people on this planet right now, it's not going to mean a whole lot. Time's not. Nations are not. Things are not. Wealth is not. But for eternity? What are we living for? Are we living for I want to make sure he's got all these nations coming from him and all that. It's wonderful. What about the covenant? What about God's promise? What about the eternal? And he says there, as as we finish up, he says, and Abram took Ishmael his son and all that were born in his house. You know, you have to think about it. (laughs) By the way, Abraham does not get to wander off anymore and talk to God. That's going to stop because when he comes back, he's got ideas, right? And so he shows back up. And he tells the house, he said, look, I got a message from God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to be going through a little pain soon. Can you imagine? That's not encouragement, you know. Like I said, anytime he wandered off in the wilderness, he had three people with him. But you know, that was his responsibility in his house. He made sure the conformity was there. And by the way, in my house, that's my responsibility. i got to make sure that I provide a home and environment where my family can pillow their head on night with a clean conscience. And if they get beyond the things that I put in place for them, then that's their decision. But in my house, you, you need to at least, you got to at a minimum conform. Class, I mean, sure, I call you class, I'm thinking of Sunday school. Who, uh, Who circumcises their heart? God does. You say he went back and saved his entire household? He brought them into conformity as a leader what his home was going to be. And young people, you sit here tonight, I'll tell you this. Abraham didn't bring salvation to them. God circumcises the heart. And we know that their responsibility and their choice to face the pain of that choice it's personal. And if you don't make that personal choice, that's on you. That's that that's that's your decision. Listen, these people here, oh yeah, they face that physical pain. But Abraham himself. That's verse 26. In the self same day, 
was Abraham circumcised and Ishmael his son. What did it matter? What did it matter? What are we doing? Why are we doing the circumcision thing? What is going on here? What, you know, in fact, when he comes home, he talks to no one. By the way, shouldn't we have a family vote? Shouldn't we get everybody together and say, look, I, I think I'm in on this. Can you talk to me more about it? Can you tell me more? Is this safe? Is it medically safe? Can we, you know? Doesn't do that. It says that, you know, <laughs> he left off talking. God went up. Abraham took Ishmael's son, all that born in his house, and he just did it. Listen, if you put off facing pain, both physically and spiritually, you will never do great things for God. You've got to face that pain now. Deal with it. Go get it in His strength and His might. You know, I think about what all this prepared Him for. He went back and He, and he had to do these circumcisions and Everybody had to suffer and all of his men were down and they couldn't fight, if you remember. It's kind of like when Joshua, you remember they, yeah, everybody got circumcised. They couldn't go fight. They were at a very, by the way, it's God is the supply of strength and the reward and the shield and all of that. So we're not worried about that. Everybody's going to get circumcised right now. But you know, I thought about it. The fruit of that was when he faced the pain of circumcision, he was now prepared to sacrifice his son. And you say, man, that took great faith. Yeah, but if he doesn't go back and circumcise, you never get to this point. You said, wait a minute, that's not a reward. He faced pain and got more pain. Yep. I'm not going to sell you the prosperity gospel. I'm not going to sell you a fake bill of goods. I'm going to tell you the truth. Jesus says, you must take up your what, church? We keep looking for somebody to get reelected that can fix it all. We keep looking for, you know, some magical cure or some, you know. I mean, I pray there is a cure for cancer and other things. I, mean, I want all that stuff, but listen, pain's a part of my life, and it always will be. I want to do great things for God, and by the way, <laughs> this one's been tough for me because I don't want to go through pain. I just want to avoid it at all costs. But if I don't, and I don't face it, I'll never get to be where God wants me to be. Listen, God's doing great things. He's doing it in your life now. You can have great confidence. If we need to build a building to make you feel better, great. If we need to put up some great statue, great. But I think God's just satisfied with a heart for Him. Amen?